This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for GoBundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today's going to be a lot of fun. My guest, Howard Aaron, is a specialist in one-on-one training for people of all ages, prides himself particularly in reversing the aging process for baby boomers, helping them extend their life. He is he holds nine Pennsylvania state records in powerlifting, bench press in particular, six American records, four world records. He's an active competitor. And by the way, he'll be 70 years old this year. He's also the very, very uh, entertaining bear on our TRT panel, testosterone replacement therapy panel uh, from back in Park City uh, and is well-connected. He's training a whole bunch of guys in abundance right now. Howard, welcome. Great to have you. Hey, great to be here, Jamie. Thank you so much. Now, it's going to be fun. So let's get a little backstory. I mean, you've got degrees and education and everything. I mean, you are like, you look at you now. I mean, people are on YouTube. You look like a 45-year-old dude. Give us the backstory because you're not that young, but you are that young, right? So give us the backstory. Where are you from and bring us up to now? Well, let, let's just say, you know, a long time ago, and when I say that, I mean a long time ago, um, you know, I wanted to follow in my father's footsteps. My father was a pharmacist and um, and I was exposed to the world of, of watching a neighborhood pharmacist be called doc and be recognized as the doc. If you had a problem, you went to my dad. If somebody bruised themselves, cut themselves, whatever, they're running into the store and it's like, doc, doc. And then my father would take care of them. And I'm watching all this. And I never knew that what my father really did. And I'm going back to when I was really young, you know, even a teenager. So it was like the world of medicine and the world of pharmacy. And, and it was like, well, maybe this is what I want to do. So you know, I was intrigued. I would watch wrestling on TV and I saw big wrestlers, you know, and then I got a little bit older and Arnold Schwarzenegger came around and then all the other big power lifters and bodybuilders came around and I'm fascinated by their size. And it's like, how does somebody get that big? It's amazing. So I got into wanting to work out and I did go to pharmacy school and I really did in the bottom of my heart feel like this was where I wanted to be. But what I had to recognize very quickly in the world of pharmacy back in the mid 70s, because that's when I graduated, that if you weren't ready to set up a big business, a business where you were going to sell motor oil, you were going to sell diapers, you were going to sell whatever you could sell that you see in a pharmacy how are you going to make any money? Because hospital pharmacy wasn't paying money. At that point, clinical pharmacy really wasn't what it is right now. So it was kind of like saying, I don't know. I tried it. I didn't like it. And I left the world of pharmacy, but I never left my education. I learned everything I needed to learn so that I could practice pharmacy if I wanted to. But you know what? I really got good at was understanding anatomy and physiology, understanding how the body works, understanding everything that you needed to know about the body. So I went through some businesses and I went through some, you know, opportunities. I was an entrepreneur. I got into a lot of recycling businesses. I just love the fact to try something, but I will tell you point blank, because I liked how I looked, because I realized that I was putting on muscle, that gave me the confidence to stand in front of people and talk to people and not be nervous and not get uh, excited and to talk from a place where it sounded like I knew what I was talking about. So, so very quickly from that point, had the opportunity to buy a gym, didn't know too much about the business, but I knew I could figure that piece out, got into the industry, learned how to become a trainer, took my knowledge and understanding how it was working for me, passed it on to gym members and kept it going and opened another gym and sold a gym and opened a gym and sold a gym and then decided, I want to work with people. I want to help people. I don't want to worry about who's working the 5 a.m. shift. And I don't want to know that toilet number three is clogged. I don't want to know that. Let somebody else. My son followed in my footsteps, came into the business. Here, it's yours. You finish this. 
I want to work with people. I want to train people. And I started realizing that when I talk to people about how the body works and why you should eat this then, not now, and, and don't do this, but do that, and all the other things, I realized I was getting a lot of ears, and then I got a lot of clients, and then I just started developing this reputation because I'm intense. I'm intense because I'm passionate, and I'm passionate because if you're hiring me, whether you're paying me a dollar or a thousand dollars, I have to do a job. You're hiring me to do a job, not just be your friend. You don't need another friend. You need somebody to help you get what you need to get. And that's what I do. Amazing. Amazing. So when did that start? You graduated in the 70s. When did you start getting intentional with it? You did a few businesses, then the gym, and that unlocked the personal training business. How old were you when you you started the gym business and then the personal training business? So I I didn't really get into the gym business until I was mid-40s. I think I was 45. Um, I had already met my trainer. I met my trainer in 1987. I'm 35 years old, raising my family, go to a neighborhood gym where I was living outside of Philadelphia. And I met a guy that was transforming bodies. Hmm. And he was transforming bodies and I could not get over the changes. And I'll never forget the day that somebody said, you have to try him. And I heard his philosophy and I thought back to my education because I heard you have to rest. You have to take care of your connective tissue, ligaments and tendons and fascia. Nobody spoke about that stuff in the 70s unless you were going to an orthopedic surgeon for surgery. You never heard anybody talk about those things. So I said, you know what? I'm going to try you out. Jamie, he's still my trainer. Wow, no kidding. 1987, 2022. That's what, 35 years? It's amazing. But he is still with me, and I am still with him. Is he older than you? No, he's two years younger than me. He's 67. So, you know, we never thought about the age at that point, you know, but he was a bodybuilder. He looked like he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger, only a smaller version of. And and it was amazing to me what he could do. And again, you know, the whole thing was. He didn't do it like everybody else. What he was doing with me, I never saw anybody else in a gym do. Mm. To this day, my workouts with my clients are not what you see the general population and fitness centers doing. So I said, I got to stay with them. Yeah. And here we are. And we're still and we're still doing it. So, you know, when I got into the business at 45 and realized that I was now doing what I needed to do uh, because I wanted to help people. It became easy for me to say, hey, listen, look at me and look at other 40-year-olds. And at that point, I still looked different. Yeah. You know, I had I had Miami Vice hair. I mean, <laughs> I had hair back then. So <laughs> I had hair. I had the diamond earring in my ear. You yeah. know, I was wearing very form-fitting things you know my my kids got a kick out of like hanging with me because it's like my dad does not look like any other dad you know it was all about what do you look like how big is he oh my god but you know it you know at the time that's where things were and 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 now I still say I'm holding on to most of the muscle that I had 20 years ago so forget about what the books say. Forget about anything that you read that says you can't hold muscle. You mm-hmm. can't hold muscle because I'm telling you right now, yes, you can. Mm-hmm. But you have to live a certain lifestyle. You have to be a certain person doing certain things. All right. So we're going to get into all of it. We're going to get into the pharmacological side. We're going to get into the health side. We're going to get into the or the workout side and the, and the nutritional side. But I want to start with you said uh, when I go to the gym and watch you work out with a client, it looks different than if you know any other time that I've seen. And I've seen that. I've seen people go in and go lift that for 10 reps, go lift that for 10 reps. Like that's kind of what goes on. What are you doing? Like, I'm curious, what does it look like if I walk in the gym with you and I have an interest in building muscle mass? Okay, so very simply put, when, when you know, I, I, 
I'm going to start by asking a question that I know most people don't know the answer to. And I asked the guys in, in our weekly Zoom, I said, do you know how many muscle fibers are in your bicep? Now, Zero. No, I have no idea. No. All right. So I showed them the number and the number was like a little over 300,000 muscle fibers in your muscle, in your bicep. So right away, it's kind of like, oh, my God, how can there be like, really? So if you understand how a muscle, what a muscle is and the, and the muscle fibers, the striations of muscle fibers that make up a muscle, what you need to realize is that as you start rep it, doing reps with whatever weight, with whatever uh, 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 exercise, the body is only going to use what it needs to use to accomplish the goal. And if the goal is to do this weight 12 times, then you're going to get those 12 reps. I'm not telling you that you wouldn't feel the weight and you wouldn't feel the exercise. But the question I ask is, what percent of your muscle fibers do you think you just used to move that weight? And of course, you don't know the answer. But what I can tell you is you probably used less than half of them. How do I know? Look at you. Mm. Why don't you have more muscle? Why don't you have better definition? Why can't I see striations through the skin that show me that you really are working almost all of those muscle fibers. So right away, people just go, I don't know, what do I need to do? Lift more weight? Yeah. No. That's what I was going to ask you. <laughs> no, yeah. because if you lift more weight, what's going to happen is the same thing. You're going to do two or three reps of a heavy weight and not be able to lift it. Or then your form goes south and you start cheating on the, on the range of motion or you start bending over or you start lifting up or you start trying to figure out what it is I need to do. So what I realized, and this now goes back 35 years, is if I have people do repetitions in a way that their brain, their brain would never let them work, and I get them to do it, then, I've, then what I've accomplished was I got them to feel a burn they've never felt before. I've gotten them to engage more muscle fibers than they've ever had engaged before. And I got them to do something that their brain, their brain would not let them do. But why did they do it? Because I told them to, because I showed them what I wanted and I stood over them and I was in their zone and telling them, come on, keep going slower, slower. Hold it there. All right, now move. And if you need to take a break, take a break. Nobody says you got to get all 12 reps right away. And it doesn't matter what those last two or three reps look like. It does mm. matter. Put the bar down. Walk away. Come back. Now let's finish. So it's how I have people doing the exercises that makes my way stand out from what everybody else does. What is the what is the percentage that you so you said at the at the jump of this conversation? Uh, how do I know you're not engaging all your muscle fibers or a large percentages? I can't see the definition, the striations under the skin. How much of that, the the build of muscle and the I mean this, but the, the definition, maybe not the build, but the definition. How much of that as a percentage is the workout versus say the nutrition or the supplementation? If you can get muscle to take its natural shape then that's more of the workout. If you can get the muscle to look like it's popping and it's because you've, you've gotten rid of all the fat, all the excess uh, fat and water that the body was holding, then that's going to be more because of nutrition. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if I add size, if I add size to your frame and and you go to one of these uh, body mass scales and doctors today have these scales in their office like they have medical scales to weigh people. Only now, all of a sudden, they can tell you what what pounds of your of your weight can be attributed to water, can be attributed to fat, can be attributed to muscle, can be attributed to the visceral fat, which is the protective fat around your organs. Um, you can you can actually and this is what. What Pui did for me, he sent me his body mass results when we first started 
and then did it again six weeks later and showed me that he had gained nine pounds, but he did not gain any fat weight. So if you're not gaining fat weight, right, then what? So it was easier for him to see the difference. Mm. So what I will say is my goal is to get you stronger, which means I also want to get you tighter. My goal is to get muscle to take its true shape, the true shape of a muscle. And if you want to know a true shape of a muscle, look at most of the NBA basketball players today. Mm. Their shoulders look like bowling balls. And they don't look like that just because they're lifting weights. It's not from weights. It's more from leaning on other guys. It's more from being pushed and pushing back. And it's more from just using. But Mm. when you see the true shape of some muscle, it looks like, wow, it's popping. It's big. No, that's what it's supposed to look like. You know, your your arm should have definition in your shoulder. You should be able to see your tricep. You should be able to see the tricep bicep separation and you Mm. should be able to see your chest. And and if you if it all looks like one big hot dog, then I'm going to tell you if you tell me you're working out, I'm going to tell you there's no way there's no way you're hitting enough of your muscle fibers because you're not making a change to what the muscle looks like. Wow, man. Okay. This is unlocking a bunch in my brain. So let's go into, and this is interesting. And we're going to talk at the end about how people can get uh, uh, your 90 day challenge and and all of what you do, which is going to be great. Cause I know a lot of guys and go abundance have taken up on it and I'm going to take you up on it as well. But um, let's talk about cardio. We, we were talking before we started recording. I'm in the middle of this. Speaking of NBA players, an NBA player and I from a go abundance event, uh, he challenged himself and then me to a 5k a day challenge. I'm in the middle of that, right? What's the role of cardio specific to men? And there's another question. There's like three questions off of this, but let's just stick with that right now. So what's the role of cardio? Like, does it make any sense for people to do anything with cardio? Like, is your youth because of great cardio or is it because of muscle building? Like, what, what is the, g- give me the case for or against cardio. All right. So what I'm going to say to you is this, if, if the reason why, so cardio does help strengthen the heart. When somebody says to me, doesn't cardio help benefit your cardiovascular system, your cardiovascular system? So you're talking about the blood flow through the heart into the body, back to the blood so it can be back to the heart so it can be reoxygenated. You're also talking to me about your lungs. You're talking to me about the ability for your lungs to continue to convert to blow out carbon dioxide, take the oxygen in and keep the system moving so that it's not overworking. And at the same time, you're burning, you're using energy. So you're burning calories, you're burning, uh, you're burning glucose, which is what carbohydrates break down to. You're burning fat, hopefully, because I think that's another reason why people say, oh yeah, I'm doing cardio because you know, I can keep I can keep my weight down. I can keep my waist looking the way I want it to look. I don't do cardio. I don't do cardio. I I can do a workout that's more cardio intense. I can take weights and I can make them light enough and I can make you do them quick enough and I can make you stagger the 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 uh, uh, rest period between your sets where all of a sudden you're feeling and you're saying, why am I, why am I so out of breath? And it's like, well, because this workout is designed more to get blood flow, to get your heart going. And of course we're still using muscle, but now we get into the thick muscle fibers, thin muscle fibers, which muscle fibers are we working? Which muscle fibers do you want to work? What's the difference in working the thin versus the thick? That's another world, man. Wow. Okay. Let's flip to women for a moment because I know you're at least training one. So are women, are, do you train women any differently? Like I know we're going to talk about testosterone and all, all of that here in a moment, but do you train women any differently for their fitness goals? Women naturally are going to have a higher body fat percentage. That's a natural thing. They should, I assume. I mean, you tell me, but my wife is a big weight person. She loves weights. She's, you know, she does some running, but she likes weights. And I know that uh, weights are not going to bulk a woman up like a lot of women fear, but is that where you go? I'm kind of curious if you're training a woman, is there any difference in, difference in the philosophy? Yes. 
a big difference in the philosophy because women women naturally hold more fat. Women naturally will hold more fat. They'll hold a little bit more water. And what I need, but again, my goal, regardless of male or female, the first thing I want to do is get you stronger. And you get stronger when you know you feel stronger. And you feel stronger when it seems like the body is moving a little bit easier. And when maybe bending or lifting or sitting or standing or just moving around all of a sudden feels a little bit easier to do. Now, I do a lot of old school military calisthenics on the floor, burpees, push-ups, squat thrust, uh, squat jumps, broad jumps, jump rope, push-up holds. I do, I do a variety of things because again, you know, because we really can't see what muscle groups are engaged and which muscle groups aren't engaged, I had to figure out what what exercises and what holds can I almost guarantee myself 100% that every muscle in your body is working, every muscle. Yeah. And then it's a question of how do I mix in holds with resistance training and, uh, and, and, and floor exercises. So depending upon who you are, how many times a week I see you, what your goals are, um, we're going to do what we need to do. And, you know, you said something also, I love listening to people to express to, to me what they like doing, because when I hear somebody say, I like doing this, I always say, what likes that? Is it your brain that likes your body doing it? Or is it actually your body that likes it? And I get, what? What are you talking about? I said, well, what, what limits your ability to do anything in a gym? You start off saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do it this many times and that. And then you get into the workout and your brain goes, no, 10's enough. You don't need to do 12. You don't need to move the weight. You don't need to do any more. You just did enough. Now yeah. let's move on to something else. And then there you go. And at the end of the workout, you have this look on your face like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I could do, go for another half hour. Right. Well, then guess what? Your brain won the war. So a big thing, a very wow. big thing. And Nick Johnson is right on this. Nick, Nick wrote one of the most powerful statements I think I ever I read. And, and you could ask Nick to tell you the statement. And what he said to me was, you know, sometimes I don't know if it's the uncomfortableness of the of the of the uh, uh, a hold or the move, or is it that my body just can't do anymore? Because when it's the uncomfortableness of the hold or the exercise, when you say to somebody, "How many of these can you do?" then you realize that the brain is not always on your side. The brain mm. will work against you. And mm. when you learn how to deal with the noise, you can accomplish 100% more. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. Let's switch over. Again, a lot of questions <laughs> went through my head, but let's switch over to nutrition for a moment. Sure. What? And then after this, I want to talk, well, now we'll go to supplements. Then I want to talk about testosterone a bit, but on the nutritional side, in yes. general, for people that are yes. trying to build muscle, and you are a you are a, a muscle build guy, you you are a proponent of hey, try to build muscle, whatever your frame is, right? Build muscle, and that's going to be the, the key to health, right? Absolutely. What, what is it from a nutritional aspect that you that you uh, see people doing well, or maybe that you see people doing not well? Like, what are some of those things that that people are just like unknowingly killing themselves with? The timing of when they eat what they eat is is one of the biggest challenges that everybody has okay. um, being able to identify everything they put into their mouth as far as breakdown is this a carbohydrate is this protein is this fat is this protein and fat is this protein fat and carbs is this just carbs if you don't know what you're eating then what are your expectations of what this thing is going to do for you mm. See, food, you, you know, it's it's the it's how people view food 
that in my in my world makes or breaks the success of somebody getting healthier. Let's just talk about getting healthier for a second. So if you're going to judge, if you're going to, if you're going to eat by what you smell, or if you're going to eat by what you see as far as presentation, I guarantee you, you're not eating healthy. So if you understand, and I, and I always say this, food is fuel, food is fuel. Food is fuel for the body. Gasoline is fuel for your car. Food is fuel for your body. The better the fuel, the better you're going to run. The worse the fuel, the worse you're going to run. So nutrition will make or break your healthy side. So I teach people the timing of when to eat what, and then learn what a serving size is. And once you learn what a serving size is, now you can, if you decide to eat more than a serving size, you can't tell me you didn't know. So once you get taught and you learn, you know, what does fat do? What does a carbohydrate do? What does protein do? How much of it should I eat? And when should I eat what I eat? And I give it to you. Now it's on you to, to follow through. And if you do, you're going to see amazing changes. Does if you don't. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yep. No, no, no. Go ahead. Does, I was that, going to say a big thing. Does intermittent fasting have a role in any of this then? Because you're talking about like, you know, as a, as a general rule, people say, oh, I have my eating window. But to your point, when people eat is the part that, that maybe, uh, maybe people don't respect enough, if you will. So how does intermittent fasting play? If it does at all, are you a proponent Not against it? I'm kind of curious. It has its place. Okay. I just don't, I don't live by it, but it has its place. So if you take the person that saves most of his calories for dinner, for happy hour time, dinner time, and then snacking after dinner, that person can't possibly wake up hungry Mm -hmm. because you ate too much and you did nothing after you ate. So what do you expect your body now to do with everything that you gave it? Now you're waking up going, I can't eat. And you're right. So you need to wait, right? You need to wait. So, so if you think about when do I need energy? What am I doing during my day that requires me to have energy? Most of us need our energy in the morning, in the afternoon, because that's when we're active. That's when we're doing things. That's when we're moving. So I teach you. If you need your energy, then that's when you should be eating this. If you don't need energy by five o'clock at night through 11 o'clock at night, because you're going to be sedentary now, you're going to spend time with the family. You're going to you're going to play games. You're going to read. You're going to watch TV. You're going to have conversation with people. That doesn't take a lot of energy. So now you should not eat this, eat this and eat this. And then what's going to happen is you're going to wake up the next morning. And you're going to say, you know what? I can't wait for breakfast. But you can't eat breakfast if you wake up full. So intermittent fasting works a lot for people that, first of all, know they're eating too much when they eat. Second of all, they're eating too much at the end of the day of, of, of certain foods that they really should be eating earlier in the day. But because they're eating them now, they want to try to make sure their bodies are going to burn off some of that stuff the next morning and the next couple hours. So I use it when I want to take off a couple pounds if I'm trying to compete in a weight class that may be below what I normally weigh. I will tell myself, all right, so let's wait three hours before we eat. Instead of having my first meal at, let's say, 6 a.m., I'll wait till 9 and I, and I definitely don't make up those calories. So once you lose a meal, then know that you're going to eat 300 or 400 calories less that day. Makes sense. It should be an inhibitor, right? Not just a, oh, no, just pack it all in in the next hour once you, once you get, your, uh, get into your eating window or whatever. You know, but most guys have this never-ending battle of trying to take weight off. So if you're trying to take weight off, in their mind, the easiest way to do that is not pay attention to the foods 
And the purpose of the food is just to eat in a smaller window of time and delay that window for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Okay. And good. No, I was just going to say, you know, that is that is not living a healthy lifestyle. No, yeah, no that book. makes sense. Talk yeah. about supplementation. Is there a role for it? Is it overdone? How do you, when do you supplement them? If you're eating the right foods, you're getting your protein intake, whatever it might be, when and where do you, you, uh, do you uh, uh, allow for supplementation in your life? All right. So, you know, supplementation, the first thing I tell people is over the age of 35, unless you're a doctor, over the age of 35, once a year, you should be getting your blood work done. You should be getting your blood work done so that you can actually act, see where your levels are, levels of vitamins, levels of minerals, and see if there's anything that you're deficient in. You know, I had an aha moment back almost 15 years ago that I had a test. I had my D3 level checked 15 years ago, and I got a call from my doctor's office And she said, what pharmacy do you use for your meds? Wait a minute. What are you talking about? What pharmacy? We need to know what pharmacy do we call? I don't have a pharmacy to call. I'm not on meds. What are you calling in? Hold on here. Your D3 level, my D3 level, Jamie, was so low that they had to put me on a mega 15,000. No, it was like a 25,000 horse pill, 25,000 unit horse pill that I needed to take once a week for 12 weeks to get my D3 level back up. Now, how did my D3 level get down? I stopped eating dairy. Mm. I decided not to spend as much time in the sun as I used to, Mm. you know, because my dad was getting skin cancer because he was a sun worshiper. I was a sun worshiper. I'm old enough to tell you that I used to be out there with with a sun reflector on and I used to have baby oil on and I used to put iodine on and I wanted, yeah, baby, I wanted tan. I wanted tan. That wasn't skin cancer. We didn't talk about skin cancer back then. Come on. So anyway, but anyway, my D3 levels were in the toilet. So I had to jump on the bandwagon, not just for myself, but to tell everybody, everybody, check your D3, check your D3, check your B levels, check your B. As we get older, these numbers can't help but want to come down. The Mm. aging process is not a process that works in our favor. You're constantly having to battle the aging process. So supplements, meaning vitamins and minerals, if you're low in something, take it. But don't just take something because you think, well, if I take it, it can't hurt me. It can hurt you, mm-hmm. especially if it's a if it's a fat soluble vitamin, because fat soluble vitamins, you can reach levels of toxicity that you never want to reach. So let's hold up as far as vitamins and minerals. Levels will dictate and 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 tell you what you need. Now, antioxidants, you know, that's a big thing today. And I do believe in them. But you see, I take them. Because I know what a free radical is. And for people that are going, a free what? A free radical is a, is a disease. It's, these are bad cells in our body. They came into our body from the air we breathe. They came into our body from some of the foods that we eat. They came into our body from some of the pesticides and herbicides that are in the air, that are in our environment, that we can't help but just breathe in. These are the things that could cause cancer. Mm. These are the things that could cause a a Parkinson's-like problem. How does this stuff happen? Because these cells live dormant in your body and you want to keep them dormant. You want to keep them quiet. How do we do that? We do that by taking in antioxidants because an antioxidant will find one of these free radicals and it will give it an electron. Now I'm getting biochemical crazy with you, but I'm saying this for a point. It will neutralize. It will neutralize that free radicals. So you take in antioxidants for the purpose of letting them go find free radicals that need to be neutralized. Now, how much should you take in? I can't answer that question. Have a conversation with a uh, with a a doctor. Have a conversation with a uh, somebody that that I would say is a specialist. You know, I don't take in 50. 
I take in two different types of antioxidants. And how do I know they're working? Uh, because I'm not sick, because right. I stay healthy, because so that's what I want to tell you about that stuff. And then when it comes to whey protein and creatine and BCAAs, I just gave a big talk on Monday to the boys about branch chain amino acids, which are BCAAs. First of all, no one even knows what they are. They just say BCAAs. I say branch chain amino acids. There are three, there are three branch chain amino acids and these are essential amino acids. What do you mean essential? Well, you see, there's two types of amino acids. There's non-essential, your body makes them. There's essential, you need to take them in. And when you take in all the essential amino acids, then you have what's called a complete protein. But anyway, the point is branch chain amino acids help muscle recover, help muscle grow, and will work for you in the world of health and fitness in getting the muscle to recover and to grow. So there are things that I do, but I do not because Joe does them or because I read an article. I read more about the science of, of everything and then make the determination, does it make sense for me? And, you know, right now I'm in a groove and I've been in this groove now for about 20 years and the groove hasn't stopped because my body is still reacting to it. But now you can talk about, you know, the, the Park City bull, bull versus bear testosterone thing. And, I was about to ask and, you. So tell me, tell me then like about that. I, I honestly, I've never done TRT. I know guys that have testosterone replacement therapy for those that may not be familiar with the term. I, I'm assuming they go through that for various reasons. You know, uh, uh, their, their testosterone is low and it's recommended they go through it. They want to, they want to uh, beef beef up a bit. It's a shortcut in some ways, right? Uh, medically, maybe it's a necessity. I, I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure there's many reasons why guys go through it, but you are bearish on TRT. So tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Like how have you maintained your, is it just simply what we talked about? Supplementation, the workouts you do, the nutritional uh, routine that you have. Tell me why you're bearish on TRT. What is that all equal, Jay? That equals lifestyle. Yeah. That's a lifestyle. So when you live a certain lifestyle, you're giving your body the opportunity to, to produce, to make what it's capable of making. But it's almost like you making, you know, if, you know, you could eat a cake, you could look at two cakes and they could look the same and you can cut into one and it could be okay, but you cut into another one and it's like, oh my God, this cake is amazing. Mm -hmm. What did you, what did you add to this cake? This cake obviously has ingredients that this cake doesn't have. Mm. This is the same thing. So there's a checklist. And when I was debating against my boy Rami, you know, in Park City, what I wanted, what I wanted the guys to know is this. There's definitely the time when you tried this, you tried that, you did this, you did that, you tried that, you did this, you did that, you did that. And at the end of the day, it's still not up. Yeah. Yeah. So now start investigating. But, you know, this this uh, hormone replacement therapy world didn't exist 20 years ago. Right. You know, you walked into a gym and there was a guy named Murph or Bruno in the locker room. And his nose like, oh, you need some drugs? You know, so it was like, hey, I have a gel. Let me rub some of the gel on your chest and your sure. testosterone level. So what allowed this industry to actually come out there? So it's the pharmaceutical industry that says, let's take an injectable and turn it into a topical. Because if it's a topical, it's easily accepted. By cosmetics, it's like putting on another cream, another ointment. All you're doing is slapping on a gel, right? The only thing I want people to realize is this. As soon as you start doing it, you shut your body down. You know, so unlike you taking in more vitamin C than you're taking in from food, taking in more of a non-essential amino acid than your body is capable of producing that I was trying to get people that were trying to make a point with me at Park City about, well, how did you get here today? 
I'll never forget the guy. How'd you get here today? How did I get here today? What you, how did I get here today? Did you fly? Well, isn't that an artificial means? Wait, wait. So what you're saying is I should have walked from Philadelphia to Park City? And you know what I said? I would have be using all my type one muscle fibers, which means right. my test level would have gone down anyway. <laughs> Ready but, to go after him. I love no, it. That's come funny. on up here, yo-yo. But anyway, yeah. the point is this. There's only a handful of things. And this is one in particular. You start treatment, you shut your system down. Yeah. And my big thing about that is you're taking, you're taking organs. You're taking your endocrine system. And everybody can look up what is an endocrine system, what organs make up an endocrine system, what is an adrenal gland, what is a pituitary gland. These are the things, because now what you're saying is, boys, you don't have to work anymore. We got it handled. Oh, well, now what do they do? Mm. And if the answer is they don't know what to do, you've stopped allowing them to do what they naturally do. Could that possibly lead to a bad thing later on down the road? I would just say I suspect so, but I can't tell you yes. So what I say is, and, and I got a great question this past Monday from um, Anthony. Um, and and uh, his, his last name is, is escaping me right now, but I know you probably know the guy. But he said to me, what about some of the supplements that could possibly allow the body to make more of, of, of testosterone or human growth hormone if it had some of these supplements. And I said to him, you know, Anthony, you hit it on the nose because if you get into the science of how the body makes testosterone anyway, you will realize that there are chemicals that they call precursors, precursors. These are chemicals that are, are vital to the body's ability to make more testosterone. And if your body starts losing the precursor level, if your body starts making less IGF-1, and that's specific, IGF-1 is a, is a precursor that if your body makes less of it, you're going to make less testosterone. Can you take IGF-1 in? Yes. Do we know 100% that it's all going to be used by the body and recognized by the body. No, I don't think so. But if you take it and your levels go up, then you can draw the conclusion that your body wasn't making as much. And, and there's a couple other products out there the same way. But I'm going to tell you what you're up against. And here's what you're up against. You're up against Big Pharma. You're up against WebMD. You're up against Harvard Med because you will never see studies done. You will never see anything done that they'll endorse, that they will stand behind because it's not FDA controlled products. And the problem with how our world is, is that a lot of stuff that's healthy, a lot of stuff that's good for you never gets the recognition that it should because it's not FDA approved. And if it's not FDA approved, WebMD and Harvard Med and some of these other big top notch uh, publications won't recognize it. So you really, really have to research and look at search engines. Who's writing the article? Where's this stuff coming from? You know, I'm <laughs> going to make I'm going to say this to you. When was the last time you saw a commercial on TV about water? The importance oh. of hydration throughout the entire pandemic. Did you hear anybody, anybody from no. the World Health Organization down to the president's council on this and that? And, you know, Dr. F. And I don't need to give you his name. You know who he is. Did you ever hear anybody say, work out, get strong, drink water, stay hydrated, do no. antioxidants? Not any of it. None of it. None and to that point, you mentioned the, the FDA not approving these certain things. And I'm just in my brain. So let me tell me if I'm tracing the, the tracks well. So if the, the FDA not approving it, many would see that as well. Then there must be something suspicious with it. But your, your point, I think, is the FDA is not approving it because of big pharma lobbyists seeing this as something that could fix something that that big pharma can provide a ding, on, ding, long, ding. right? An ongoing. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Right? 
Yes. What if you could then reduce the amount of medication that yeah. people take by 50%? You know what yeah. the problem is, James? The problem is, is that our medical industry, the hospital industry, makes up too much of our gross national product. Mm. And if it were to be reduced by 50%, how would you make it up? Yeah. We would collapse. We would collapse. What would you do with all the hospitals and the nursing homes and the rehab centers and the diagnostic centers and the doctors and all the surgeons? What would they do? Where would they go? Great point. I don't know. Yeah. It scares me. Yeah. It scares me. So FDA will say, and a lot of good stuff you will read in WebMD that that this is what they hear. But since FDA is this hasn't been a study hasn't been done, then they can't endorse anything and say so. So the problem is, is that you will continue to live in a world where everything that you see on TV and commercials to eat or drink, you don't want to eat or drink because if right. you eat or drink any of that stuff, you're going to get sick and yeah. you never see anything on TV that tells you to do this to avoid getting sick. Like, why keep showing us commercials on drugs and side effects when you read the side effects and you hear about blindness and could cause death and your left arm could fall off and you see a family standing around swinging their daughter on a swing? I mean, are you listening to what they're saying? No, because they know how to do it. They know how to do it. So the other thing that I drive home and a very important message here, you want to live a proactive life. You want to be a proactive health person, not a reactive health. And our system is reactive. I live proactive. If I call my doc and I say, I want to get my B12 levels checked. And the doctor says, why? And I say, because I read that as you get older, your B12 levels go down. And I don't want to wait for it to go down so low that you're going to tell me I'm suffering from something that now I'm going to need a prescription for. Right. Crazy. You know, we're we're covering some powerful stuff today, brother. We are, man. We are. It's amazing, though, when you think through all of it. To your point, I love the proactive versus reactive. And in that regard, I, I'm kind of curious. We're getting we're getting close to our time. You got a massage to get to, my friend. But what is what are some other from a testosterone perspective? What are some? I, you sent an email out. I don't know how many guys got it, but what are some other uh, uh, detractors, if you will, things that we do every day that might be draining our testosterone or limiting our testosterone production? You know, I think the most important thing is, and I, I said, I said this to uh, Wyatt when I was on, most guys don't get enough sleep. Hmm. Most guys are not eating as healthy as they should. And to really get technical with why things work when you work with me, most men don't understand the importance of working their type 2B muscle fibers. So I'm giving people an opportunity. Go Google muscle fibers. Go see the difference between type 1, type 2, and then read that type 2 breaks down to type 2A, B, and C. And you will read that type 2B muscle fiber workouts help the body produce more testosterone. Type one workouts, muscles that use type one muscle fibers are the, are the workouts that, that don't help the body produce more. They're mm -hmm. the workouts that, that actually raise cortisol levels and raising cortisol, cortisol levels actually then has a negative effect on the body's ability to produce uh, testosterone. So, you know, and Rami, when he presented himself to me in Park City, he's a marathon runner. Mm. You know, you're living the life of type one. Why don't you just switch over? Why don't you change you, how you train your body and start using more of type two? And then maybe you wouldn't need to take testosterone, it, you know, but at that point, there are guys that are on it. So, you know, it's, it's the right workouts. It's the right amount of sleep and it's the right type of food. And I'm, I'm not just talking about protein and carb. I mean, good food, healthy food, fresh food, go to any package that 
has an ingredient label on it. I don't care what the food is. It can be a liquid or a solid. I don't care. If there's an ingredient label on the product and you start reading the ingredients and the ingredients are words that you can't pronounce, do us all a favor. Put the thing back. Because if you can't even read what's in it, why in God's name would you put this in your body? Who are you trusting? Wow. You ever eat a burger, Howard? Anything yes. like that? <laughs> yes, but but He's I will cake. tell you this. But <laughs> when I go buy a burger, first of all, if there's a bison burger on a menu, I'm in. You know okay. why? Because bison has no bad fat. It's the leanest meat you can eat. Mm. So I will go bison. And if I don't know what kind of meat, you know, do you know the difference between 80, 20 and 90, 10? Yeah, 10. Ten. But do you know what re that 10 represents? Do you know how much more bad fat is in that 20 than is in the 10? No. Well, go, go, go look it up. See, but the other reason why some people don't want to know this is because once you know it, now you're stupid for doing it. Yeah. It's yeah. okay to be naive, but you can only be naive this much. After that, you're just stupid because uh, if I me. teach you the right way and you still go back to where you were, now it's a different kind of thing. Now I'm going to really hammer you because, wow. because it doesn't make sense. What are you doing? You know, I asked the question in Park City and guys raised their hand. I said, how many guys here have cars worth over $200,000? A few raised their hand. What kind right. of gas do you put in them? You put in 87. Do you look for deals? Are you putting in high test premium? Yeah, of course. Is your body worth more than that car? Yeah. yeah. So then why are you putting in your body what you're putting in your body? Wow, man. And, and dude, you know, that's where it is. You know, we don't see food the right way. Yeah. And then once you know what food is and once you I still enjoy food. I love food. I'm a foodie. I love going to restaurants. I will ask questions. I will ask, can you put this on the side? Can you not put this on the side at all? I don't need this. Can you just bring me it this way? Can I have the sauce? If, if you don't want me as a customer, then just say no. I'm yeah. insulting the chef and I'll leave. Yeah. But if you say yes, you're going to have a customer that's regular and I'm mm -hmm. going to refer people to you because I'm going to say, they care about what they put in front of you when you eat. Amazing, man. That's a great perspective shift. I like that. That's awesome. All right. Two things to wrap up because we're getting close. One, yeah, biggest bench press. We got to know. Largest bench press. I'm going to say last year I benched 342. Jesus. And I did it in my last meet of the year. And it was in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. And it, and it was a meet where the only reason I went was to get that number. And I got it on my opening lift because I knew I could. And if I missed it, I would have tried it again. And if I missed it, I would have tried it one more time because you get three lifts. And if I missed it then, then I actually would have gone to this meet and paid money and participated and not had a recorded lift because mm -hmm. I didn't need to worry about lifting anything that I've already done. Um, but I will also say this. In 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 uh, when I turned sixty years old, uh, I benched three seventy. When I turned sixty, I benched three seventy, and it's on social media, it's on Facebook. But the only way you see it now, the only way I see it now, is it's on the anniversary of the lift because Memories, Facebook yeah. always shows you that. Yeah. Or I have to go out and research it. But I will tell you that at my age, I'm benching more now than I did twenty years ago, thirty years ago. Um, and, 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 and for those that don't think it's possible, it is. Mm. And it's just a question of how do you want to live and what are your goals? Wow. So 370 at 60 was your max? Yes. At that's, 60. That's the, at 60. At 60, I hit it. Wow. I was thinking you were going to keep going down. Wow. When I was 45, I did 385. When I was 35, I did 390. But no, 370 no. was at 60 years old. The first time you ever hit yes. that, that plateau. Yes. Wow. Yes. That is living proof. Yeah. I right. didn't do it in my 30s or 40s. Yes. 
You did a 90-day challenge with a, bu- with, a, with a bunch of guys. I know, whatever, close to a dozen or so uh, signed up with you and are working with you. And I mean, some amazing results. I could go one by one through them, guys that have uh, testimony uh, of what you've been able to work with them on. How do folks get involved in this 90-day challenge with you? What can they do? The easiest thing to do is to either call me, text me, uh, or send me an email at OCIboys at gmail.com. And it's all one word, the letters O-C-I-B-O-Y-S at gmail.com. And just say, heard about the challenge, like to know more about it. And I will take it from there. Or you can get a hold of me on my on my phone by uh, call or text 484-919-2700. And again, just say, John Doe, I heard about your challenge. Uh, I'm interested to know more and I will send you and we will talk and we will get to a, an understanding of what you want and why you want it. And are you willing to, to, you know, invest in your health? And if the answers all become yes, then we're on baby. We got to work on a squeeze page or something for you. There's a few thousand people that are going to hear this. So you- I hope your I hope your phone doesn't melt down, but we shall see. <laughs> well, see, but but I got to say this to you: some people are intimidated, you know, by me. They're intimidated by how I I behave, how mm. I act, how I live, how I get enthusiastic, how I get like this. But you have to understand that I'm I'm acting like this, and I'm going to be seventy this year. I yeah. have the energy level to live like this, to be like this, and I'm not saying you need to be like me. Nobody has to be like me. Your goal never has to be like me. Your goal is to be better than you are and to find somebody that as you continue to age, they continue getting you even better than you were. Because when you find that person, baby, hold on to him. I found the guy 35 years ago and he's still my trainer. So I will do for you what he does for me. And you're never going to want to lose me. You're going to want me there. I get questions all day long as if I were an ER doc. Hey, Howard, what do you think? I'm at a cocktail party. They don't have anything that I think I can eat, but I need to eat something. What are my choices? And I'll t- they'll put it on video. Here's yeah. the table. Here's the table. Tell me when to stop. Stop right there. All right. Now, get that, but take it off the bread. Now, move that to the side now eat that now you're fine i mean jamie i can laugh about it now but i love the fact that they're trusting me yeah and i will help you and 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 again nobody fails the level of success is going to depend on your commitment to you because i'm in there i'm in there I love it, man. Look, this is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast, right? So the tribe being the people in this challenge, getting together with others. And we have a pillar around age-defying health, which you are exactly uh, the key representation of. I mean, I'm telling you, man, you look my age, for God's sake. And you're sitting here my dad's age, literally. So (laughs) unbelievable. I appreciate uh, you coming on today, brother. Really do. This was amazing. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see some folks, including me, filling up your challenge. Hey, listen, I I am so blessed. I am so blessed. And I want you to know that, that I came away from Park City not knowing what could happen. Mm -hmm. I was asked to to do a challenge. I was asked to do a couple PowerPoints. I was asked to lead a workout class. And I did everything that they asked me to do. And at the end of the day, I know Pat was happy with what I did. And he was happy about how the entertainment portion of the debate went. (laughs) So I was happy if he was happy. And everything that has happened since then has been as a result of people saying, let me give him a try. And you know, I I I I can get choked up about it because you know John Edwin believed in me and put his reputation on the line when he said to Pat, get a hold of Howard. Mm. So you know when I every time you ask John, whenever he and I exchange hellos, it's my brother from another mother. And that's how we say it, because we just love talking about that stuff. And uh, I, I, I can't thank him enough. I can't thank him enough. And now I'm, I'm going to say, you know, I know what this thing could lead to. Mm-hmm. I am so excited and so happy and so grateful at the same time, James, that 
that you've given me this opportunity because man, when opportunities come your way, keep it rolling, keep it rolling. And that's how we have to keep it going, man. I love it. Now we will, we will for sure. Thanks again for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. that's it for this episode, but be sure you subscribe for future episodes. Give us a rating and review as well. It just helps us grow the podcast, grow the reach, and give as much value as we can to you on a week-to-week basis. Be sure to go over and check out GoBundance.com while you're at it. Check out Emerge if you're a future millionaire, our elite division if you're in that $1 to $5 million range, or our champion division at $5 million plus. Or on the women's side, GoBundance Women is available for all of you to join an amazing group of millionaire entrepreneurial women. And if you haven't already, jump on tribeofmillionaires.com and order the book that is the namesake of this podcast and you'll learn all about what this whole GoBundance thing is, what masterminds are about, and the power of community, accountability, connection, and all of that as you pursue your goals. Thanks for listening again. We'll talk to you soon.